Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Happy Memorial Day. And thanks for listening to this special, Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge for this Memorial Day Monday. I'm Paul Perot, Carmen's producer. Good to have you along. Carmen has the day off. She'll be back tomorrow. Maybe you've wondered where Memorial Day comes from. Well, it originally started as Decoration Day in the years following the Civil War. That war claimed more American lives than any other war and required the establishment of our country's first national cemeteries. Now, there are various stories as to how Memorial Day actually got started. Various communities started holding observances. One of the earliest was a commemoration organized by free slaves in Charleston, South Carolina, less than a month after the end of the Civil War. Charleston was the site of a racetrack that was converted into a prison for captured Union soldiers. More than 250 Union soldiers died in that makeshift prison, and their bodies were hastily buried behind the grandstand. Then, on May 1, 1865, a large crowd of freed men and women, members of the famed 54th Massachusetts and other black Union regiments, along with some white ministers, came to the racetrack. They staged a parade around the track. The freed black children brought bouquets, and black ministers read scripture and prayed. We talk about remembering those this day who died to keep us free. Here, though, were people thankfully honoring those who fell to provide a first taste of freedom. It's a time to remember the cost. Freedom. You know, one of the freedoms some call the first freedom is the freedom of religion and conscience. And while we are concerned about that freedom here in the U.S. and many places in the world, to follow your religious and conscience convictions leads not just to uncomfortable relations with neighbors and family. It can lead to government sanction, persecution, and even death. A couple of weeks ago, Carmen had the opportunity to talk to Sam Brownback. Brownback is an American attorney, politician, and diplomat who served as the United States Ambassador at Large for International Religious Freedom from 2018 till January of this year. On May 12th, the U.S. State Department released its 2020 International Religious Freedom Report, outlining many of the cases of nations and groups persecuting people for their religious beliefs. The bulk of this report was compiled during Sam Brownback's tenure as the ambassador at large for religious freedom. And since he has personal knowledge, we appreciated the time to talk with him. That conversation is coming up next on this special Best of Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio.
What a privilege to welcome Sam Brown back to the program today. Uh, he is the former ambassador at large for international religious freedom. Sam, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to join you. Well, I want to talk about the Inter- uh, International Religious Freedom Summit 2021 this coming July, um, which our listeners can find and register for at irfsummit.com. But I want to lead off with a conversation about the latest International Religious Freedom Report. So um, describe to people what it is and what's in it this year. Uh, what it is, is it's a compilation of all the countries in the world except the United States uh, and their issues or things that are happening in their country regarding religious persecution. Uh, unfortunately, most of the world's population experiences substantial levels of religious persecution, and this documents that our embassies around the world spend the year collecting information and data on it. Some countries are very good. A lot of the countries in Western Europe uh, do a fabulous job, they, uh, not without their issues, the same as with our country, not without our issues here. Uh, but then you get places like China that just literally are at war with faith, or North Korea, where it's a deadly uh, thing to be found with a Bible. Uh, so it documents all of it. Uh, this year's report, I think, was a solid, good report of what's taking place, unfortunately. Uh, we just continue to see a very troubled world in regard to respecting this basic human right. Now, Sam, for folks who are listening to us and they are um, unfamiliar with the Office of International Religious Freedom at the State Department, can you describe, you know, the scope of what the Office of International Religious Freedom um, does and then, um, you know, your role, obviously, in it um, now as the former ambassador at large for religious freedom, um, this just kind of help us understand where we are nationally on this issue? Well, we deal with all the countries in the world except the United States on religious freedom issues. Um, It's a statutorily created office. It was created by Congress 20 years ago to push for religious freedom because we kept seeing all these cases coming up around the world, people being locked up for just simply peacefully practicing their faith. So the office works to change policy in other countries. We've had some very successful policy changes in Sudan and Uzbekistan, where they're opening up for religious freedom. We identify problem uh, cases. I've mentioned China already, Nigeria. You've got uh, really a a lot of killing of Christians uh, taking place there, and unfortunately a number of other countries. Uh, And then we try to really work with countries to press them on forward to say, you know, you need to change your policies. It'll be good for your people. It is a fundamental human right. Uh, It's recognized by the UN's 1948 Charter on Human Rights. It's in our basic constitution, and it'll help grow your economy and provide more security for your people. Uh, So the office really works to do all those things. Last year, we had a great year on getting people out of jail. We got over 2,000 people uh, out of jail that were in simply for peacefully practicing their faith. Um, And then we hold regular summits with other countries to press them forward uh, with uh, urging for religious freedom. We've now got a coalition of nearly 40 nations around the world that will press for religious freedom for everybody everywhere all the time. I think that um, folks who are listening right now might remember um, our conversation about the ministerial to advance religious freedom that um, that the State Department held. Can you can you take us back to that? And what was that about? Um, and is that something that you anticipate seeing going forward? 
Um, what it was about was getting the, the world community to focus on how badly uh, things are for this fundamental human right. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, this is recognized in the UN Charter of Human Rights in 1948, and yet it's been deteriorating. It's been abused. It's uh, uh, people are locked up and killed for their faith. And so we held held two ministerials. The second one was the largest human rights event ever hosted by State Department. We had over 100 countries at it, pressing this fundamental right. Uh, and really what it did was it, it put the world on notice that we're going to press on this human right. We see it as a foundational human right, a basic one, that if you get this one right, your other rights tend to flourish as well, like freedom of assembly and speech. Uh, if you get this one wrong, the others tend to uh, be harmed as well. And uh, it, it was a spectacular event. Um, and then it was held held virtually last year in Poland, and then Brazil is hosting it this year, and next year it'll be hosted in the, uh, in Great Britain. So it continues, and we are seeing more momentum around this topic as people recognize the importance of it. And it's finally genocide. Uh, most of the recent genocides in the world have been of a religious minority in a particular country. And so religion is just deeply intertwined with this terrible aspect of genocide. I'm talking with Sam Brownback. He's the former ambassador at large for international religious freedom. We're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Inter International Religious Freedom Summit 2021. It's coming up in mid-July, and uh, we want you to know all about it and participate in it. I IRF Summit. Com. We'll be right back. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. Welcome back. Continuing my conversation now with Sam Brownback, former ambassador at large for international religious freedom. Um, Sam, tell us about the upcoming summit in July in Washington, D.C., and, and how folks can participate. Well, fortunately, there has been a whole lot of groups around the world that have stood up to push back against religious oppression and, and persecution. And what this uh, summit is, is gathering those groups together to get to know each other, to start to work together, uh, to press for this at a grassroots level for fundamental religious freedom for everybody everywhere. We've got over 60 organizations that are participating in this summit. This will be the first time a, a civil society group like this has ever uh, pulled an event like this together. We did this at State Department of sorts during the ministerials. We had civil society groups come in, uh, but this is led by civil society groups. So we've got like U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, um, uh, part of it, Knights of Columbus, but uh, we've got also Samaritan's Purse and uh, uh, Orthodox community, American Hindu Association, uh, we've got Jewish groups, we've got the World Uyghur Congress, uh, we've got religious groups from all different types of factions coming together, getting to know each other. We won't talk theology, we will talk about human rights and this fundamental one that has been deteriorating, and the effort will be to unite together to press forward for uh, religious freedom for everybody around the world. 
For um, regular listeners to this show, you guys will recognize some of the folks involved in this, the Philos Project, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, um, uh, IDF, the IRD, the Institute for Religion and Democracy, the Heritage um, Foundation, Samaritan's Purse, which Sam already mentioned, but you also recognize Open Doors and GAFCON and Voice of the Martyrs. So these are organizations that we platform on a regular basis here um, on Mornings with Carmen. These are conversations we have on a regular basis. And I want to encourage you, if this is of interest to you, this is an, uh, it's a very unique opportunity to be invited to the table, to be invited into the conversation that's happening here in the United States of America, but is impacting the conversation that is happening globally um, related to the 80% of people who live around the world um, in very real persecution. And uh, and so, again, we want to invite you to check it out, irfsummit.com. Sam, I always think that stories are really, really helpful. Um, and when you think about, uh, you know, your hope for expectations of a an international religious freedom summit, you're talking about religious freedom for everybody, everywhere, all the time. Um, that's your your hope and your vision. Maybe draw us into that, you know, by helping us see what's happening in Saudi Arabia or to the Rohingya or to Tibetan Buddhists. I mean, I, take us somewhere so that we can see what you have seen. You know, I, had, I met with a man uh, uh, from Saudi Arabia who had had a vision uh, in the night, a very dedicated uh, uh, Muslim. And in the vision in the middle of the night, he sees a man in white in his room. And he thinks it's Joseph, because uh, in his understanding, Joseph is this perfect-looking person, and this person looked perfect. And the person just said to him, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. Uh, and he, he doesn't know what to do with that. Uh, but he's, I, he's searching now. What uh, I need to do some of this. He, he goes to a church in Kuwait, because there's no churches in uh, Saudi Arabia. It's the only country in the world, no churches. Uh, and he sees a picture of Jesus on the wall. And he says, that's him. That's the guy I saw. Who is it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, and uh, the, the person there told him who it was. And he said, this is what the person said to me. And he, he, he accepts Christ. Well, then his troubles really begin. He goes home uh, this is not well received by the family. Uh, the government finds out about it. It's not well received by them. He spends six months in jail. Uh, the government tries to get the family to kill him, uh, for dishonoring the family. Uh, and he eventually gets some, uh, protection and relief. He obviously has difficulty with his family and, uh, and I'm meeting with him, and he goes back to Saudi Arabia even later. And I said, well, why do you go back? Why didn't you just stay outside? And he said, well, who's going to speak to the people of Saudi Arabia then? Uh, who's going to talk to them if I don't go back and tell them this is what I saw? This happened to me. And these are the t sort of people we, uh, we stand up for. And for people of all faiths, uh, or even of no faith around the world that are persecuted uh, for decisions, peaceful decisions of their faith that they make. I um, I know that you have met people whose stories are really hard to tell. And so um, for people who have already, you know, forgotten because it's not in the particular news cycle today, remind us what is happening to the Rohingya people. Uh, I am. Uh... Well, I mean, this is graphic, but I was there and meeting uh, with a number of the Rohingya uh, 
uh, refugees, and they're being pressed out of uh, Burma, which is primarily Buddhist, because they're Muslims, mostly because they're Muslims. Uh, And I met with a woman who witnessed her daughter being raped uh, and then bayoneted in her private parts and killed. Um, And that that happens to people. And it's just, it's violent and it's vulgar and it's evil. Uh, They're continued, the Rohingya continue to be pushed out of Burma. They're in refugee camps uh, in Bangladesh. Uh, They're not allowed back into their country on a peaceful basis. Some, Some say, you know, that they're allowed back in, but they can't sustain themselves. Uh, and the, the, we've just got to continue to stand up and to speak out. Again, it's one of those, what I think is a genocidal situation that's built around the issue of a religious minority. The same for the Uyghurs in China, or a Muslim minority being pushed out by the Chinese government that's atheistic and, and a war with faith. Uh, the same as what happened in northern Iraq with the uh, the Yazidis and the Christians being driven out by ISIS. The same as what happened to the Jewish people uh, in World War II. And and now you're seeing some flaring of anti-Semitism again. This is happening to all faiths in different places around the world. So I happen to live in a part of the country where um, we have a very, very large um, Egyptian Coptic community, and we have a very, very large Yazidi community because these people have come through refugee resettlement into the United States. Uh, There is there at that point a connection between what happens um, at the level of international religious freedom and what happens in terms of refugee resettlement here in the United States. And so I do think that there's a there's a point of connection to the conversations, even though I recognize that in terms of international religious freedom, we are talking about a, a focus on what's happening around the globe. But it does impact our conversations here when we become a people who are open to receiving those refugees. It does. Uh, and I've met with a number of refugees in this country, and, and God bless the United States for receiving people. Uh, our effort, though, in this office and in this push is that they shouldn't have to immigrate to Canada, the United States, or Europe to practice their religious freedom. They ought to be able to do that at home. Uh, And that's what we're pushing and standing up for, because there are very few people, honestly, that are able to to move out as refugees. That's That's a golden card if you can get refugee status. Most people just really have to live and bear it uh, and and live in very harsh, difficult circumstances in their home countries. Um, thank you for continuing to stand um, on the front line of this uh, and be a person not only who is concerned about it, but genuinely advocating for it with, you know, not just passion, but, um, you know, the you're pressing the full force of your life into this concern. And Sam, we as fellow believers genuinely appreciate that. Thank you for the invitation that you are extending to everyone to join you at the International Religious Freedom Summit this summer in Washington, D.C. I want you guys to check it out, irfsummit.com. Sam, can we pray for you before you go today? Yes, please. Father, we thank you for our brother Sam, your son, and we thank you for um, the, the passion you have set within his heart. We thank you for the network of relationships you have given him. We thank you for the work that you have 
called him into on behalf of people everywhere. We ask, Father, that this first freedom, the freedom to believe, um, would be a freedom that would be extended to more and more people, everyone, everywhere, all the time. And Father, we ask that you would bless those who are advocating um, for international religious freedom around the globe. And we thank you um, for the freedom to do that here in the United States of America. So bless Sam as he continues to advocate and lead this work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you you so much. Appreciate it. All right, friends, that's Sam Brownback. You can um, certainly find him on all the socials. The easiest place to find him right now is at irfsummit.com. We'll be right back. Well, thanks again for joining us this morning for this special Memorial Day Best of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm Carmen's producer, Paul Perot. And again, if you're interested in learning more about the International Religious Freedom Summit this July 13th through the 15th that Carmen and former U.S. Ambassador at Large for Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback, were talking about, visit irfsummit.com. Again, irfsummit.com. Well, again, we thank you for joining us this Memorial Day Monday, Memorial Day weekend, often considered the start of the summer months. And at this point, with COVID waning, we're hoping for a much more normal summer this year with camping and road trips and family outings. This past year was hard. And if you didn't have a way to break out of the tension, it was even harder. Now, the reality is we need breaks. We need distractions. God designed us this way. At least that is what we learned from author and podcaster Annie F. Downs. She has a podcast called That Sounds Fun, and she has a book by that same name, too. Earlier this spring, Carmen talked with Annie. We'll enjoy that conversation in about five minutes. Thanks again for listening to this Mornings with Carmen for this Memorial Day Monday here on Faith Radio. find yourself disappointed at times like you can't measure up to your expectations you're probably rolling your eyes right now thinking of course life is hard hi i'm mark gregston with parenting today's teens yes life is difficult and in the failures the struggles the blunders we're kept authentic i run into many parents who want the world to think their family is perfect and the kids in that family unit Grow up learning that hardship and struggle are synonymous with failure and should be avoided at all costs. The better angle is this. The hard stuff yields some of the most profound growth in the long run. So keep it real in your family, okay? Let's not try to breed perfectionists. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find helpful resources at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. to introduce you if you don't already know her to Annie F. Downs. I put the F in there because that's the fastest and easiest way to find her, Annie F. Downs. Um, She is a really successful podcaster. Her podcast is That Sounds Fun. uh, And she's joining us today to talk about the book as well, That Sounds Fun, The Joys of Being an Amateur, The Power of Falling in Love, and Why You Need a Hobby. Annie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. 
Good morning, Carmen. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so this is a book about nothing and a book about everything and a book about everyone. Um, this is a this this sounds fun. Um, so <laughs> you you basically start conversations with people with a question um, or an opener. What sounds fun? And that has really opened up a world to you. And you're just now sharing that with all of us. Yeah, absolutely, Carmen. It, what happens is at the end of every podcast episode, that's just kind of what I ask the guest. I say, okay, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. And we're 400-ish episodes in, and so I'm getting 400 different answers. And I started realizing, Carmen, I, I was listening to people, and I was like, wait, how come every time someone starts to tell me what sounds fun to them, they lead with like a I don't know if this will sound fun to you or this may be ridiculous, but it's like there's some sort of shame attached to what they think is fun. And then they have this answer that is actually usually pretty profound when you dig into it. And I was like, okay, I got to figure out what, what it is about this fun thing. And, and so that's where the book came from is like, how did this conversation about fun become something that makes people feel shame, but also connects to their like deepest self? So let me tell you one of the things that we have done at my house, and that is turn okay. the book, turn the book the wrong way, like turn it on its side and just read through some of the answers to the question. That sounds fun or the starter. What sounds fun? Um, and so tell people a little bit about because I don't know how many there are, but there are a lot. There are a number of pages yes. that if you turn the book on its side are just listen, 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 list of the way other people have answered the question. That sounds fun. Okay, you're going to love this, Carmen. Here's what happened is I literally just said to the people listening to my podcast, hey, will you go to this Google Doc and will you tell me what sounds fun to you? Do five words in your name. If it's not five words, it's not going to get it. If you don't tell us your name, it's not getting in. And over 3,000 people gave us answers. And so we'd originally, Carmen, said we'd been like, okay, we'll probably have space for like 500. And then when we got that many, we were like, Oh, we got to figure out how to get them all in the book. And so literally every answer that was given to us, we found a way to fit into the book. And isn't it fascinating as you read? I mean, some people are like, swim with dolphins, do a surgery, uh, eat cake, go see my grandparents. I mean, it is the widest variety of answers that are spread throughout the book, which also tells you like, Man, fun matters to everyone. Everyone can think of what sounds fun to them. And also it matters to us to talk about that with each other. Totally. I mean, everything from like snowshoeing in the Rocky Mountains to a fire pit, friends, baking, camping and live music. Like, right. So ice yes. cream and Hallmark movies like, see, that does not sound fun to me. But I am so glad that Brooke thinks that's fun. Um, that's exactly right. Yeah. So mine um, cooking. Uh, fire, moving water, rain on a metal roof, cozy blankets, soul time with my husband, flowers. See, I have more than five. So what sounds <laughs> so, so so why is it fun to just actually start talking about and stimulating the conversation um, on this topic? And part of this gets to scratching that itch that you just uh, observed a moment ago. There's there's some why do we feel guilty about having yeah. fun and about talking about having fun? Well, there's so many of us that, you know, are are thinking, what does fun have to do with faith? And what does fun have to mm. do with God? And and the reality is when you sit down, you could do it tonight at your dinner table. If you will ask all the way around the table, hey, tell me what sounds fun to you. And then when someone answers, whether it's your 10-year-old or your best friend or your wife or your husband, 
If you go, why is that? Why does camping sound fun to you? Almost always, Carmen, we get down to, well, when I was a kid, dot, dot, dot. Mm. And there is something about the simplicity of our childhood that we are all missing. And what I actually think it is, if we're talking to faith friends, what I actually think it is, is we miss some of Eden. Even though we've never known it, we've never known what it was like before sin and we weren't Adam and Eve. There is something we we know in our souls. I mean, our the scripture says eternity is built into our hearts. And there is something we know we're missing out on. And, and the closest we can find is thinking about what sounded fun to us when we were kids. Okay, so that provokes me to want to make a lot of memories that, you know, maybe a generation from now um, would be the answer to the question, what sounds fun? And, you know, some some adult, a generation from now, who is now a kid, would be able to say, um, sleeping in a tent in, inside at Grandma Carmen's house and going outside to roast marshmallows. Um, I mean, just like, right? I mean, whatever yes. crazy fun thing um, we might have a shared experience of with our kids or grandkids, nieces, nephews, any mm-hmm. kid that's in proximity to us, it does break my heart. I'll just confess this. Um, when, you know, you see kids living in circumstances where it's really, really hard to imagine that fun is much a part of their life. But that's yeah. also when I remember, Annie, that kids are really adept at making fun out of things mm-hmm. that others of us might view as desperate and stressful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what's true about you and me and all of our friends listening, no matter our childhood, is that when we were nine, we didn't have to, like, try to think about what sounded fun to us mm. like we do as adults. When you're a kid, you just go outside and have fun or you just go play in your room or uh, kids figure out how to entertain themselves if they have to figure out how to entertain themselves. I did it. You know, I had a lot of Mm -hmm. siblings and a lot of family around and I still found a way to like do what sounded fun to me. So how come when I'm 40, it's harder for me to come up with what sounds fun to me when I was a kid, I didn't even have to think about it. That's the reconnection we need to make because I actually think when you make that reconnection, no matter what your childhood was like, if you're able to find these glimpses of man, that was really fun and bring some of that into your adult life. I think it actually reconnects you with God in some special ways too. All right. I'm talking with Annie F. Downs. You need the F in there to find her. AnnieFDowns.com. The podcast is That Sounds Fun. The book is That Sounds Fun. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the subtitle here, The Joys of Being an Amateur, The Power of Falling in Love, and Why You Need a Hobby. Why don't you just riff on one of those? Okay. I like them all, Carmen. That's the fun part. Um, You know, I think the one that people talk back to me the most about is the power, the joy of being an amateur and what it means to like, let yourself be new at something again, to let yourself be a beginner, whether it's relationships or conversations or hobbies or a sport or a cookbook, or anything that you don't know how to do well. Uh, There's something in culture that tells us that we need to do everything well or don't do it. If you can't be great at that, don't try it. And for sure, don't put it on the internet unless you're the best at it, right? That's, That's the whole problem with Instagram, is that we see everyone's curated lives because they're only showing us the things that look professional. They're not actually showing us what amateur life looks like. And the reality is most of us, besides our jobs, are amateurs at everything else. 
And so I, I think that that really matters. People feeling permission again. It is actually really fun to do something new and to try something new if you'll give yourself permission that you will still be loved even if you fail. So I, um, during COVID, one of the things that um, that we did was um, this, I mean, on Facebook, I just started cooking <clears throat> in front of other people, The um, yeah. which is ridiculous. But I was actually, it was like my sneaky way of trying to teach my soon-to-be graduating uh, from high school um, daughter uh, some basic things because she was going to be escaping from our home, not knowing <clears throat> some very basic things about cooking. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, if I make her the photographer, like she has to stand there and not that I really needed one, right? I could have put it on a stick, but she didn't know that at the time. So, um, yeah, you know, I really need your help with this. Can you be my videographer mm. when I'm doing these, uh, uh, these little Taste and See Tuesday cooking with Carmen segments. And she's like, sure. So she was all enthusiastic about that. And she actually did learn how to cook some things um, in the midst of it. What I was surprised by, because I figured nobody's watching, because why would anybody be watching me cook whatever we're having for dinner on Tuesday night? Um, when we stopped doing it, like people at church were like, hey, I really missed that uh, that cooking thing that you were doing. And I was like, because seriously, people were watching that? Like, that's crazy. Mm. But people yeah. do just enjoy being welcomed into your life. It doesn't matter that, like, you're literally just doing what you do. It's entertaining to other people sometimes, and it might inspire them to try something new as well. So I love the um, the, the the encouragement to be an amateur and not worry mm-hmm. about being an expert and just doing it for the fun of doing it. All right. And we got to yes. take a very brief break. When I come back, uh, Annie Downs and I are going to continue our conversation. The book is That Sounds Fun. I'm going to ask her a little bit about why we need a hobby. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, continuing my conversation with Annie F. Downs. That sounds fun podcast. That sounds fun book. Expert on fun. I don't know. It's not just kind of cool thing to be known by, (laughs) known as, right? I love it. You're not just an amateur at this, by the way. You are an expert in fun. Okay. So um, why does fun matter and why do I need a hobby? Well, fun matters because it actually is telling you a lot more about yourself than you realize. What you think is fun, what you communicate about your fun is actually telling you kind of what matters most to you, what you are willing to set aside work for, which is a big thing for for me and a lot of my friends is what are we willing to stop working and what are we willing to gather people around? And and so it'll tell you a lot about yourself, but that's the thing about hobbies too is, is our lives move really fast. After a year of being stuck at home, a year of our lives really stopping, things are starting in a lot of places to pick back up again. And now we're having to figure out how do I loved making bread in 2020. How do we keep making bread in 2021? I actually enjoyed working on puzzles in the evenings in 2020 because I couldn't go to concerts or sporting events or dinners out. How do I carry that into the future? Because hobbies really do make make space. They make connection for you with God, with other people, even with yourself. And so finding a hobby, a thing that you do, that you make with your hands, most often, my friend Matt Chandler, who I'm sure you know and love as well, Matt says, if you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands. And if you work with your hands, Sabbath with your mind. So for me and you, we're talking all the time and we're using our brains for our work all the time. 
So when I am resting, when I want a hobby, I want something that I make with my hands. Like you were talking about cooking or cross-stitching or playing an instrument or gardening, doing something that gets your hands to creating something. And man, those kind of hobbies, they just pay off over and over again. Yeah, there's no question about that. I think that when other people um, look at my life, they they actually like think it's over full. They're like, you know, how can you be raising chickens and puppies and cows and tending garden and mowing 40 acres? And well, I'm not doing all of it myself uh, Mm -hmm. by myself. Right. There's a lot of people involved here at our house. But I need all of that. I need to cook dinner every night for my family. It is a creative outlet. Dinner, making dinner, setting a beautiful Mm -hmm. table and sitting down in table fellowship with my people that is that sounds fun to me. That is yeah. fun to me. And it yeah. it uh, it restores the joy um, and it enables me then to, you know, right, do the other things that um, that are also fun. I find my job very, very fun. I love doing what I do, but I don't do it for fun. I do it for work. Um, and right. so uh, keeping keeping those things maybe in continuing conversation with each other, I think, is part of what you're provoking us to do as well. Um uh, Annie, let me ask you this. What, um, looking forward to sort of whatever post-COVID life is going to be, because you just alluded to that, like, how am I going to be able to keep baking bread in 2021? That's a really good mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking looking into whatever post-COVID is going to be, um, instead of asking, you know, like, what did you miss most when we were in total shutdown and lockdown? Let me ask this. What are you most looking forward to? as we Mm -hmm. look into the, you know, sort of reopening of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I will answer that. I'll tell you why it's an important question, though, is because if we try to build 2021 forward like 2019, Mm -hmm. uh, there's this thing that's actually in our brains that we know what comes after 2019, right? What actually comes after 2019 is 2020. And so if we only go backwards and try to rebuild the life we had before the pandemic, it will not be as hope filled as you think it will be. And it's one of the reasons we need to try some new things because new things bring hope. And so we don't need to just go back and try to recreate the life we had before the pandemic. We need to invite some new hobbies, some new opportunities, some new relationships into our lives now that say, I don't know what comes after this because that will actually bring a lot of hope, Carmen. So for me personally, if you're asking me personally what I'm looking forward to going into 2021 and and into a life uh, post this pandemic, I am really looking forward to traveling again and going to some places I've never been. My friends and I sat at dinner last week and we said, okay, where's the first trip we're going to go on as soon as we can like fly internationally? And we and one of the rules we said is we can, it can't be anywhere any of us have ever been. And so that's what we did is we just brainstormed up that, that we want to go to Denmark because <laughs> we've never been up there. <laughs> and so that's what that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm looking forward to. And so that that would be my encouragement to our friends listening to is don't just say, what did I miss and what do I want to do again? But what new things can you invite into your life that bring hope in a way that your brain doesn't trigger? I know what happens after this. All right. Get ready, Denmark. <laughs> yeah, right? Annie F. Downs is on the way. <laughs> Annie F. Downs, she's coming to the Copenhagen Zoo. She's going That's to be right. looking for tulips. I don't know what else she'll be All doing when she's there. Yeah, I don't they even, have a. I've never been, Carmen. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, so apparently, like one of the things that 
I mean, I, you know, there's there's just tons of wildlife there, which I think might be surprising to people. And there are, you know, there's like great hiking. I mean, in addition to like castles that are built in, in ways and in places that are just like stunning. I've never been there either, but I'm a good Googler. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be so. a good Googler, but I am really looking forward to it. I mean, won't you just be glad when the world is easier to see again? Um, that is one thing I've really missed in the pandemic and something I'm really looking forward to. So there's like a yes and no in me in answer to that question, because I also suspect there's been a lot of things happening in the darkness that are going to need our tending to once they come to light. And so I have both this like great expectation and hope. Yes, I'm so excited about getting out there again. But I also recognize that there have been a lot of deeds done in darkness and people have been harmed. And we are, as you know, as Christians going to have to be on the forefront of of redemptive recovery um, in all of this. Yeah. So not to be a downer, not to be a downer in answer to the question, um, but not everybody has been having fun um, in that's the pandemic. Right. Yeah. that's. I, I don't think that's a downer. I think that's actually a really beautiful and true thing to say is, is one of the things we get to do as the world open up, opens up again is fight for justice in ways we haven't mm. before. And so um, that sounds fun to me. Amen. See, see, fighting for justice sounds fun to me, too. Like liberating yeah. people. And yeah. yeah, amen. All right. That's Annie F. Downs. You can hear her like all the time on her most excellent <laughs> podcast, which is called That Sounds Fun. The book is also That Sounds Fun, The Joys of Being an Amateur, The Power of Falling in Love, and Why You Need a Hobby. Best place to find her, AnnieFDowns.com. Okay, Annie, we got to meet in real life at some point. Oh, I absolutely agree, Carmen. Thanks so much for having me on today. This was really fun. This was really fun. Blessings. We'll be right back. Well, thanks again for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen for this Memorial Day Monday. I'm Paul Perot helping out this morning. Again, we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Annie F. Downs. And yes, we do have a few copies of her book. That sounds fun to give away. So text the word book to 877-933-2484. You'll get a kickback message with the link for you to go and put your name in the hat for an opportunity to win. Again, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Well, stay with us. We have another hour of Mornings with Carmen straight ahead. We heard from Annie F. Downs about the importance of having fun. Well, coming up in the second hour, we're going to talk about the importance of having adventures, including adventures with God. That's coming up in hour number two of Mornings with Carmen for this Memorial Day Monday on listener-supported Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.